I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. Oi, the boys on Footy Prime on occasion are known to use vulgarities and frankly appalling language, and sometimes tales are quite adult in nature. So keep the volume down if there are kiddies around. And thank you for listening. You're listening to FP Interviews, in-depth conversations with interesting people. Footy Prime, your almost daily footy fix. Hello there, football fans, and welcome to Footy Prime, the podcast interview. James Sharman, Brendan Dunlop, Dan Wong, Craig Forrest, and Jimmy Brennan join us today. Now, we have a great guest lined up. He's a friend of the show. He's been on a few times. In fact, he may have been on the most of any guest, actually, I think, on Footy Prime over the years. It is a CONCACAF president, FIFA vice president, Vita Montagliani. However... Fitter is either in the air right now or just landing. So we hope to get him at some point. But um, as you may have heard, um, airports are fucking gung shows at the moment. So every chance that uh, he's stuck in the baggage claim, we might lose Victor as as we're losing all our bags. So um, if, if we can't find Victor, he's probably in a room somewhere with some golf clubs and some some suitcases. And we'll find him in a few weeks from now. But uh, yeah, hopefully he comes on. Um, but I thought today, boys, I thought... <laughs> Let's not lose the interview <laughs> form. What are you laughing at? Oh, the, the glove. Rubber glove. You get the old rubber glove. At airports, there are men with rubber gloves. We Spread your cheeks. And Vic is at yep. an airport. Yeah. Bend over, Vic. So yeah. juvenile. So juvenile. What do you think his reaction would have been if he was standing in line when the green dildo went bouncing down the corridor at customs? Oh, that would have been a good shout. <laughs> he would have said, he would have rolled his eyes and goes, Fucking Forrest and Brennan. They're here somewhere, aren't they? For crying out loud. Once again. You probably definitely would have thought we had something to do with it. <laughs> so I, I thought, though, rather than uh, you know lose our whole interview show, we can still do it, boys, right? We can, like, interview each other. So, so let's go around the horn here and just ask each other questions, right? Let, let's, let's start with Wonga asking B a question, because on our, uh, on our call here, Wonga's top left, B's in the middle of the top row there. And then we'll go around the horn, and then we'll we'll switch it up. Okay. So so Wonga, have you got a question for B? Yeah, mine is actually I thought about this, and I've been th- I've always forgot to ask you guys this. So it's for B right now, but I might ask you uh, other guys too. B, who was your first sports hero, James and Sharp. why? <laughs> Sharps, oh, I love you. Uh, very good question, actually. My first sports hero. Uh, I started. I grew up like watching Formula One Grand Prix. My dad was a big gearhead. So I didn't watch Saturday morning cartoons. I watched qualifying sessions. So like Senna, 
Mansell, that early 90s period, like that, those are my first like sporting heroes. But that I truly remember, and this is the answer to that question when people say, who was your favorite superhero when you were a kid? Michael Jordan, man. Mm. I loved Michael Jordan. I loved the Bulls and, and basketball. He just, he seemed so superhuman, Michael Jordan. And uh, to this day, you know, I still feel as though you get out of here, you Gen Zers with your LeBron argument. What Michael Jordan did, and I know that I, you know, I was young and caught the, kind of the tail end of it, um, was just remarkable. So Michael Jordan was my was my first true real sporting icon. Good answer, Charms. I'm going to keep going because this is fun right, for me. Sure, sure. Well, who was yours and why? Uh, okay, mine was um, Barry Sheen. He was a motorcycle racer uh, in the late seventies to the mid 80s i used to love motorbikes my old man had a bike i was obsessed over bikes that was my first sport before football before rugby before snooker it was watching the uh then was MotoGP now but now that is back then it's the 500s silverstone brands hatch we go to brands hatch watch the races there mm. and uh, barry sheen was was my man he was incredible yamaha suzuki at first he, he broke every bone in his body he'd always crashed but he won championships in the end he moved to australia and he raced trucks, and then he died of lung cancer. Oh, wow. So all these awful crashes, and in the end, the cancer got him. But uh, he was a guy. I had posters of him all over my wall. So is this the motorcycle riding where you're going around the corner, or is it BMXing, like going around a track? Oh, like scrambling? No, no, this is uh, yeah. like track racing. Yeah, yeah, you're thinking of scrambling. Like road, motocross, on, motocross you're thinking of. Yeah. But, th but he wasn't track. He was like Joey Dunlop, like road bike race did he do isle of man no track he was track isle of yeah. man so uh you mean yeah the tt so yeah. he it's funny you mentioned that because i was speaking to my old man about that this weekend he did that was part of the circuit once upon a time the 500s the world championship yeah. until it was banned from that because too many deaths so five five men died this past it, tt it by was the way. dangerous have you ever seen that race still dangerous oh. still, it's insane that they do it Dude. youtube it it's incredible guys going doing 200 clicks an hour around Country the roads brick with brick country walls. walls. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's crazy. There were there, was uh, father was and son died this this year in a, on a sidecar and bike. Who it's was the Who incredible. was the English guy? Was it Guy Guy Fogarty? Uh, Fogarty. Uh, was Fogarty. it Guy Fogarty? I'm thinking Carl Fogarty, but that's a musician. Yeah, Guy Fogarty. No, the I race, think so yeah, Joey Dunlop. Like, yeah, like, legend. Yeah, big English guy, race guy, unbelievable. No, it's amazing. I mean, those those good news. Men, good yeah. news about our guest, Victor, is uh, at home and he's setting up and he should be with us. Well, let's but just this is going so well. Yeah, One question so in. This was getting no, good. No, let's tell him we'll do him tomorrow. Hey, Jimmy, I, I Jimmy told him. Before. I said we don't want him anymore. <laughs> let's hear Wonger because I got. I, I feel you got a funny one for me. No, I don't. I'm going to ask you the same one. thing. I know what? my. If it was going to be something different for you, it would be. Uh, what do you know about the Krat brothers now? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Jimmy, I'm on the so, show with Wheeler. Wheeler starts you. talking about the Krat brothers and some cartoon <laughs> or like something that's going on. And and I'm, you know, my little my look that I give him, right? I'm like, the fuck are you talking about, Krat brothers? And he's like, help me out here. And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. You're solo, buddy. I don't know. I don't know what you mean. And I realized the Krat brothers. Um, their, is it their son is playing for York United who scored the other night and it's some big kid show. It's massive. It's the, I no the idea. It's playing for York? Really? Yeah. Yeah. I know that show. So I, I had I to loved it. put the hands up and say, hey guys, 
Yeah, they're out of Ottawa. I had no idea. And that Krat Brothers show is gigantic. Wait a minute. Aren't they Aussies? No, they're out of Ottawa. Canadian. Yep. Oh, here's Victor. Children's programming that comes out of Canada, hey? Yeah. We're going to have to ask Victor one of these questions, too. But, Jimmy, I just have to tell you. I just have to tell you. It was funny watching you. Because, and I talked to Craig about this. I said because he knows you, and watching well, people you know on TV is always fun. No, that's not fun. Um, it, it's more that you you gave him exactly the look that you I thought you would give him when he brought because you do it to us sometimes. But there's usually a fuck. What are you talking about? Yeah. Like yeah. it was pretty I fucking would, funny. It was on my tongue about to say what the fuck are you talking about? Right <laughs> and I had to I had to stop myself. I was like, what the. And I just looked at him, so he got it right away. And then, that, then the Crap Brothers, though, the, shoulder. the Crap Brothers reached out. They did. Twitter. They reached out to me and said, and, "Hey, yeah. here's who we are." And I was like, "Oh my god, these guys are massive." So now, yeah, we are joined by FIFA Vice President, Concacaf President Vitor Montaliani. Um, Vic, welcome back to the show. I think I mentioned before that I think you are our most common guest here. You're on more than anyone else so far. So there's something we're doing right. Um, or wrong, not entirely sure what it is. Before actually, before you came on, we were talking about um, who are our first ever sporting heroes. Who is that one person that that stands out when you were a kid? The first one that made you fall in love with sport. Do you remember who yours was? Yeah, uh, you mean any sport or any sport, sport? Yeah, any sport. Well, I have to be. Uh, well, you know what? It, 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 you couldn't get. Well, you couldn't get. Uh, even back then, uh, you know, our major networks weren't carrying soccer, so. Um, uh, you couldn't get soccer on TV. What else? Yeah, something's never changed. Uh, so <laughs> back then, you couldn't really get our football on TV. You had to skip out of school and go watch it down at the the PNE on a, a, a big satellite. The first one was Guy Lafleur. Ah, uh, yeah, legend. Yeah. So legend. legend uh, you know, legend. The, pot, the flower, and he was the first real sporting icon. That I went, oh, you know, cut out, cut out stuff, and you know, stuff yeah. like that. So pack, yeah, pack so, a day as well. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I pack a day. I remember going to the Pacific Coliseum and their practices, sneaking in, right? You know, skipping out of school. I'm allowed to say that now, right? You were um, just around was, the corner from the Pacific. Yeah, Coliseum. it wasn't far. Yeah, it be, yeah, it was about a. Well, for me, it would probably be about a, a three wedge. Uh, for Jimmy, it'd probably be a driver, but um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, with a, with but a yeah. slice, <laughs> yeah. Actually, you would have to slice it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jimmy's talking it. about his big yeah. game. He says he's yeah. got this big golf game. He's envious yeah. that Craig keeps taking Wong around instead of him, but maybe so, you've uh, just revealed. But that's the first one, absolutely, for me. Yeah, that's a good choice, it's a fine choice, and I think a lot, a lot of girls right now. In Canada, especially, we'll be talking about that very question in years to come and say it's Christine. No, no, no doubt. Yeah. Um, this this W oh, Championship, Victor, I tell you, I, I like yeah. this format personally. I like the way there's so much at stake from World Cup births to Olympic births. Mm-hmm. It, it made it feel really important, you know, throughout the entire tournament. And, and obviously, yeah. listen, the, the top two teams in CONCACAF are the top two teams, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they will be for some time. Mexico's getting better, obviously. But it seems to me from watching these games, the chasing pack is... It's getting closer. They're, they're really improving yeah. at, at this rate. Yeah, you're not getting blowouts because, you know, uh, if you saw the way Panama played Canada, you know, obviously they know they got to play a certain way. 
Um, and you know, the men's game used to be like that, right? It was at a point where you really hard to blow anybody out because guys were fit, fitter, uh, coaches, you know, packed, you know, their, their box, you know, the blocks and the whole nine yards. Now you're just not going to see it here. Right. So they know how to play against better teams. Fine. They know they don't have the talent or the horses, but they starting to know how to play against these teams. Yeah. Uh, I love the format because every game meant something, including right down to the final and the third place game. And you saw that with the emotion um, of uh, in both games. And also you, what we did is we just felt the Olympic qualifying on a standalone was a, quite frankly, a waste of our investment. Um, and so what we did is we, we turned that into a nation's league. We now have a women's nation's league that starts in 24 that plays into a women's gold cup which will be also an invitational for some other, the top countries we're uh, working on that, uh, who would, which confederation we would invite. Uh, so now it's more games. So these teams that you're just talking about, they're going to get more games. You know, Canada and U.S., uh, you know, uh, on the women's side, they get their friendlies. Nobody else does, right? It's almost the exact same we did on the men's side where other than U.S.-Mexico, nobody really got friendlies or as enough friendlies. So we just said, okay, let's create a nation's league. Let's make it official. Uh, let's invest in it. And that's what we're doing on the women's side. And so I think, uh, I think between this format changing where it's all meaningful games leading into our nation's league in 24 and our, and our women's go cup, uh, they're going to be playing much more games and you're going to see players that are going to be, you know, I already know that a few NWSL teams were pretty impressed with some of those Haitian players and some of those Jamaican players. So you're going to see some of those players, wearing uh, NWSL jerseys. We're seeing the Euro in uh, in England uh, at the moment being played out uh, with really incredible success, I think, uh, from a box office standpoint, considering the last time in 2005 when they hosted it, it was hard to get anybody in the seats. I think there was less than a 1,000 people at some of the games. Um, the explosion of the game in Europe is quite something, Vic. And, uh, you know, the difference between development, when we look about Canada... Canada's women's players, even men's players, we in that pay-to-play situation, when those clubs in Europe, which they are now getting incredibly serious, they invest in it, they're not going to miss anybody out. They're going to basically have everybody, you know, in a catchment yeah. area of Europe. And and do you see that really being a point where Europe will soon dominate the women's game? Well, you can argue it's almost there um, in some ways because – uh, obviously, their, their teams are starting to attract the best players. Some of ours are playing over there. Um, you know, if you look at World Cup results, other than our two teams, they're starting to dominate. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, and this is the challenge for the rest of the world to, you know, start looking at investing in the women's game to keep your top talent at home, if possible. Um, I mean, you're all, player, it doesn't matter. Your players are gonna, always going to go where they, they think they're going to succeed. Uh, and obviously income is an important aspect as well. So, but I think, you know, I think the potential in Africa is tremendous as well. Um, and uh, obviously we know the potential here is, is tremendous as well. So I, I think Europe's success will lead to a global success. We just got to make sure that the Delta between the confederations isn't, you know, doesn't get wider that you're always going to have, you know, in any sport, you're always going to have a have and have nots. It's a reality of sport. Uh, what mm-hmm. you just got to make sure that that delta between the have and have nots is not ridiculous. Africa is a really interesting point there, Vic. Now you mentioned it. Um, men's and women's. I remember Pele 
I think it was like around 98, him saying there'll be a, a, a world champion from Africa by 2010 or something crazy. Now, yeah. love Pele, not always the most uh, articulate in what he's saying. But at the same time, African football, as much as it provides some wonderful players to club scene from a national standpoint, they're disappointed on the world stage, it seems. At least to me, they have, certainly. What is the issue? Yeah. You know, I, I think part of it is, and um, part of it is, quite honestly, is, um, and although they were uh, Luis Suarez handball away from going to probably to a final, uh, Ghana was. Um, but having said that, you know, I think I think a lot a lot has to do with the success. I know we've seen it here in Canada when we finally started getting our best shit together off the pitch. All of a sudden, you started to see it on the pitch, right? The investment in youth teams, treating everybody better, um, blah blah blah. All of a sudden, you start seeing success on the men and women's on the men and women's side. Um, and I think, you know, Europe has all, has had that, you know, it, they've built an infrastructure, they've built an industry, you know, things that we're just starting to do here in Canada, right? Um, you know, you have to build an industry. Um, and this is something that I think Africa is also starting to realize, you know, they just announced a Super League, for instance. Uh, they've been talking to us about how to create a Nations League. And so I think those are the things that have lacked in Africa that would then parlay into on-field success because of the discipline that's required to be successful. Uh, you know, uh, you know. I mean, look at, you know, uh, you look at Jimmy, uh, you look at Stacks, you, you gotta be disciplined to be a pro, right? And to get there, right? Work hard, you know, especially now, take care of your body and all that kind of stuff. Well, you know, that, that doesn't just go on the micro level, that's on the macro level as well. You know, you need to be disciplined as an organization and ensure that you have consistency, you make the right decisions at the right time and all those things. And obviously that's been lacking in some confederations, but I think with the growth of professionalism and, and building some assets within an Africa, you're going to see then that correlate to on-field success. And yeah, I could see an African team getting, you know, winning a World Cup is always <laughs> hard, but I mean, you know, getting to a World Cup final, uh, but let's put it this way. If Senegal got to the World Cup final in Qatar, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. They're good They're enough. Good yeah. I yeah. think we all know that. They're all good enough. But, you know, it's a tournament, tournament play. People people in England have suffered from this, right? Tournament play is different than qualifying. You know, you come in from your club, you know, you come in, you have a little bit of a kickabout because you're not really training, uh, and then you play a game and you go back to your club. Tournament play is totally different. There's a whole cultural aspect uh, of that about, you know, how do 23 or in this case, 26 in Doha, how do they live together for, in this case, it will be less, but traditionally it's been more. How do they live together for a month and then go through another tournament for a month? Some cultures deal with that easier than others, right? Um, and so there's so many aspects to learn about those kind of things for you to be successful. And the, the countries that have been successful, like a Germany, um, they've figured it out. Right. And uh, it's not just about money. It's about the learning and the education. I think you're going to see that with African countries as well. One of the uh, issues I think we've seen with Canada, Vic, is in recent generations is the lack of appearances at the under 20 level. And you talk yeah. about importance of tournament play. Um, that was the first experience I had in 1987 playing in that uh, under 20 World Cup. And you know, really noticing the 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 nuances of of it and how important it is, and it just surprised the hell out of me how England at that time didn't give it any 
any thought whatsoever. They didn't care about it. They didn't qualify very often. And then you look at Argentina, Brazil, and the teams like this to take it so incredibly serious. And they basically go from one to another seamlessly and have that experience. And as good as they are, I think that experience at those youth level tournaments has put them and put an unbelievable good stead moving forward. Yeah. And, you know, Sharman, sit down when I say this, but there, I think one of the reasons why England is, for me, favorite to win the World Cup. I can't believe I fucking said that. <laughs> boy. Finally, Victor, after all these years, you get it right. I know. Yeah, just don't tell my dad. Um, <laughs> the reason why is because if you looked at the last three cycles, they've had pretty much the best U17, U20 teams. All right? Why? Because they started – they started – it's not even investing. It's not like they never had the money. It's, it's paying attention. It's having the clubs release players. Because it was clubs that wouldn't release players. And so, for me, I think – we need to be very careful here in Canada. Yeah, great team. We're all in love with the guys. You know, we're all cheering them in Qatar. You know, um, it's been emotional for a lot of us that have been in Canadian soccer, pretty much everybody, everyone on this call, right? Um, but, hey, if we don't invest in the U15s and U17s and U20s, I got news for you. It's going to hurt us big time. And so... That's the responsibility of the Federation and the responsibility of us as a Canadian soccer family. And obviously everything that helps that is things like the Canadian Premier League and all those things. That's all got to help. Right. But yes, the youth teams are very, very important. And, you know, listen, it, it's not a difficult formula. You know, before you put on a senior jersey, you, you know, it's pretty well understood in, you know, in most technical sound programs that you better have about 50 caps, youth caps, under your belt before you put on that senior jersey. Yeah. Uh, because then, then you've prepared yourself, right? And hopefully within those senior caps, stacks is, is a World Cup or two, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Because it is a different experience. So, you know, we need to, we need to, and I'm hoping whoever the, you know, our technical leaders at Canadian Soccer are saying, yeah, you know what, this is very important. Yes, of course, the senior teams are important, but also our youth teams. And, and this is male and female i'm not just you know i know we're talking about the men's team right now but on the women's team it's exactly the same um and if you looked at the uh, u.s women's team yesterday you know they had a lot of young players that have come through their u20s right you know and, and we have some we just don't have as many and so we need to i think we need to really address that victor when you look at uh, major league soccer right now and gareth bale coming in cellini insegni uh, Bernadeschi, all these top world-class players are now coming into this league and all attention now starting to come to CONCACAF region because of this league. Yeah. Does this help the growth of the game in North America? And does it also help the growth of the young American, Canadian and Caribbean players within this region playing against and training and seeing these guys week in and week out? Yeah. As long as they come here with a good attitude and they're good pros, right? That's always the concern of always bringing in, and that, and that you know, for instance, uh, a lot, a lot of them have come over with good attitudes. I, I have no, I don't know Bale at all, but, but Kilini, I have no doubt he will because he grew up in the Juventus system, and it's you put you put your hard hat on and you go to work, right? And so I, I'm pretty confident. I think even the lads. Um, that have come to Toronto, I, I think they'll, 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 they'll put in a good shift. I think if they come in with a good attitude, this is why it's important for whoever it is, MLS or even CPL or USL, when you're doing that, right, 
it's got to be the right person, right? Right age, right person, uh, because it—that it, it, is part of your responsibility, right? Is uh, to leave that legacy for the for the young player, and you know, and if we, we had some really bad examples back when we were kids in the NASL. Let's be honest, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> right, and I remember trading behind the net at Empire, right, as part of the youth system there, and looking over, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, what's that guy doing there? You know, putting out a cigarette, and right, and then walking on the training field, <laughs> right. So uh, like, that was pretty okay. good, West Ham. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know what I mean. So I think you're, I think Jimmy, absolutely, but which is why I think clubs need to be very careful who they bring in because as long as they're, they're a pros pro, absolutely. They, they I think you're going to see exactly what your question asked. Hey, Vic, uh, almost out of time. Uh, we, we thank you so much. I know you just landed. Oh, so uh, no one more for you quickly. Um, I, I know you can't mention, talk about the pay dispute in Canada specifically, but the men have mentioned they want to create a, a player's union like the women have yeah. um, a few years ago now. Is that something you'd advise um, any national side? Obviously, with that comes some complications, yeah. but do they need it? Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know the legalities of it because they call that an association. So I don't know if it's an actual union. And, right. you know, I, I don't, I'm not a labor lawyer. So I, I think to be unionized is not easy in this country. Like, you, it's got to be registered in provinces. So, but, but the reality is having them as an association, I think it's a good idea. I mean, players come together. Um, you know, even back in the days when, you know, Jimmy and Stax played, well, it was it. They had an association. They just never called it that. You know, they yeah. the guys got together and said, "Okay, whoever it was, you know, you know, Julian, Stacks, Dero, you guys have the authority from this group to go talk to the federation and sh- sort shit out." We just never called it a fucking association, right? It was just like, <laughs> "Okay, let's go." Yeah. Now that you know, so it seems like a little bit more formalized, and they got a lawyer and. But to be honest with me, it's to me, it's much to do about nothing in the sense of it's a good thing and you should always do that. I think players need to stick together and they are. And, you know, they're, they're, they're putting their foot forward and now the association needs to put their foot forward and we just need to get this sorted so we can just get on and watch this team perform. And as a CONCACAF press, you just sit back and you watch, you're there, they need you. But generally speaking, you try and stay out of these things. Yeah, listen, you know, I have 41 federations. If I got involved in every player, player federation dispute, fuck, I know. Uh, you know. You'd never uh, had time for shows like us. Yeah, exactly. no, the, if he's stuck in the middle seat. Yeah. The reality is, you know, maybe the issues are different, right? But, for instance, we had one with El Salvador during World Cup qualifying, right? If you guys remember, right? Yeah. Um, you know, we've had uh, – uh, Obviously, the U.S. is obviously the most uh, the most pertinent one. Obviously, our, our neighbors. It was a long-standing one. Uh, we we've had them in. I don't know if I don't know of one federation. Uh, we've even had it in some of our smallest federations. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to. I remember. I, I think it was two years ago in Turks and Caicos, right? So, obviously, different issues, maybe different dollar signs, right? But this is a this is just a reality of our sport. Um, and so, you know, it's really, you know, as a confederation, we're there to support uh, resolutions. You know, we're not there, there to support a side. Obviously, the federations are a member association, but in the same token, we want a resolution because at the end of the day, you know, the players are our stakeholders. 
and the member associations are members, and we just want them to make sure that they're able to move forward as a collective family. Right. And we want everybody to do well in CONCACAF. We have four yeah. teams going yeah. to this World Absolutely. Cup, and the better they do, the better it is for everybody. Yeah. yeah. Listen, our goal is to have all four get out of the group stage, and then after mm -hmm. that, you're, play you're playing with house money, right? Right. So, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Peter, thank you so much. Uh, again, really appreciate this. Um, like I say, you, you just landed. Busy few days. Um, enjoy what time you have at home. I know you're on the road a lot these days. But as always, thank you. Great. Thanks, guys. All the Thanks, best. Victor. Thanks. Bye. That's Victor Montaliani. Uh, Vic always delivers for us, eh, boys? Love Every it. time. No, he's, he's very, very, very he's candid. Mm -hmm. I mean, candid. we don't get to ask him the hard-hitting questions. Like, you get, This is the tough thing about being like the second host behind two guys who know him very well, having played under the Federation. Like, I want to know, did he get a selfie with Becky G at the 2026 City Unveiling? Was it was it his choice to pick Vancouver out of the hat first, like penalties? Or, you know, was he going to tease everyone and make it the last pick? The Becky G question should have been slid in there somewhere, actually. <laughs> you should have taken your chance there, B. Come on. I guess so. I know. <laughs> I would expected that from you, B. Hey, let's, let's continue our little interview. I know you're leaving soon, Bia. We'll end, end the podcast in five minutes anyway. But uh, we'll just a little, little go around here, right, answering questions. So, B, your turn. Ask anyone here a, a question. Hmm. What a good point. Um, let me ask my uh, my mentor and idol, James Sharman. What's your favorite thing about me? <laughs> so creepy. Mm. <laughs> That's a great that question. Really favorite thing creepy, about Brendan Dunlop. That freaked me out a little bit. Yeah, I think, I think you know what it is, B, about uh, you. I love it. <laughs> I think it's it's your modesty. What happened there? Wonger, shut yeah, up. He's it, talking it, about me. Go ahead. It's your modesty and your humility. I think. <laughs> I think that's that's what it is. That's what I've always respected the most about you. Yeah, and your hair, your gray hair. It's you know, Jimmy, you know this. Our confidence is so often mistaken for arrogance, but it's just confidence. Why? Why are you picking on Jimmy there? I'm not picking on Jimmy. I don't either. know that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jimmy, ask your uh, ask your former teammate any question. Anyone who was you the want. first? Who was your first girlfriend? Mm. Mm. I remember this name. We talked I, about her like two weeks ago. You mean actually going steady or rounded third base or, or playing or third base? Oh, jeez. <laughs> Robin, Robin. I'm not going to say her last name. You're just making it up. No, her name was Robin. Robin Gibbons. Robin? She was my first celebrity crush. Robin Gibbons. When the red <laughs> Robin, Robin goes march, march, marching along. <laughs> All right, great. Hey, Jimmy, who is the best goalkeeper you ever played? Uh, kind of... Oh, I don't know. I had Robert Green. I had a, uh, you know, come on. <laughs> Pat Austin, I, I, I would know. I would have to. I would have to say it. I would have to say it would be uh, the big man. Big man was the best keeper I played with. Danny Dickio? No. Greg Sutton. <laughs> big, big four Stowe. <laughs> Craig. Hey, Stacks, we're going to have to tell that story one time in Japan. Do you remember that when I walked in the washroom <laughs> during the game against Japan? I'm going to tell oh. that story one day. <laughs> Is it? How, how long is the story? Yeah, can you Do tell you the story in three now? minutes? No, I don't know if I can tell it. <laughs> Go ahead. No, really? Is, is that kind of story? Is it? You, you had a green dildo story, but you can't tell that story, huh? Wow. Okay. Okay. No. Well, we'll uh, off camera. We'll talk about that, and maybe at a future future yeah. show. I've got a sh uh, one final question for Wonga here. <laughs> Wonga, when you first started um, for Eprime the podcast, our first show, how long did you think it would last? Honestly, Ooh, good, good question. Uh, all I can say is we were very lucky about the pandemic. 
I, uh, no, you know what? I always had high hopes for this. To be completely honest, I thought we could get a good five to 10 Wonger years. always believed. I always believed. That's why I, that's why I nag people, because I believe. But before, thank you, Sharm, for asking that. But I want to hear about Craig's final one. Is his biggest sports hero when he was a kid? I would have to say Bruce Groblar. Oh, well done. Oh, he was number two for me. Is that right? Eh? Yeah. Yeah. After, after Barry Sheen, then I got into football, and it was Bruce. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you know he always way. used to he always used to come to Newmarket and go to the Great Goat Pub, which is a big football pub in town. And he was always in there with all the Liverpool supporters. What a yeah, legend. He, he embraced the fandom, right? I mean, he lived here for a long time. Loved it. Yeah. He married a Canadian girl. Mm. Is he's he back in England now, I think. I think, doesn't he? He was out in the East Coast too after. I think he moved out he's to Newfoundland. Newfoundland. Yeah, yeah but yeah. He's, uh, he moved um, back to England, I believe now. Yeah. He worked with Mark DeSantos at the Fury. He was the goalkeeper coach for a few years of the Fury. That's right. That's right. Imagine working with him. If he loses it, lights out. I don't Bring think he loses gloves. it though. He was he's pretty uh he was a very I mean incredibly different goalkeeper than anything we'd ever seen before at that time. You remember him, Sherms. I mean he was absolute box office. He, he was, was the, a the, the clown prince, right? Yeah, he was entertainment. And when he first went to Liverpool, it wasn't easy for him uh, because they were used to historic goalkeepers. Ray Clemens. Ray Clemens that just did their jobs and did it well. Wasn't about going around five players coming out of your box and doing crazy stuff, but the team was hugely successful. And so was he, and they just, they fell in love with him eventually, but it wasn't an easy start for him. He made mistakes as well, right? I mean, that was part of his game. They called him uh, one of the not so nice nicknames is Bruce drop a lot because he come out deep in outside his box, you know, or on the edge of his box his, uh, because of his gloves, right? Was that why? Yeah. Oh, the glove's fault, <laughs> not the goalkeeper's fault. <laughs> but yeah, and the spaghetti legs, of course. Now, what, what a huge character. Mm-hmm. All right, Jimmy, let, let's finish up the show here. Who was your uh, your first hero in, in the sport? Uh, oh, I don't know. I had, uh... It'd have to be a Toronto Maple Leaf. <clears throat> no, I did. I, I had a couple of Maple Leafs. I, I had a couple, to be honest with you. I liked, uh, I was a big Jordan fan. I liked, uh, like Doug Gilmore, Russ Cornell, mm. Wendell Clark. I liked, uh, and then football, Ryan Giggs was big for me. And John Collins played for Celtic. Yeah, great player. Great, oh, yeah. great. good manager too. For a while. Everybody you talked about except the Leafs uh, actually won something. Yeah. True that. Up True yours. that. Just a big <laughs> he believes too. Were you a left-sided he player, Jimmy, were you a left-sided player because of Giggsy? No, because I'm a natural lefty. So I just got stuck on the left side. <laughs> I had no choice. His right foot's for standing on. What are I, was you talking only, about? I was the only lefty. They were just like, you get out there, kid. You go stand on that left left side. Can I come inside? No, just stay out there. Uh, Jimmy was uh, he was swift, too. He, was, he had some pace, Jimmy did. I was quick. White lightning. Mm-hmm. So. That's gonna stick. (laughs) Wasn't it the move? And now it's white lightning. I had the move. move. That was a big one for me. The move. Yeah. That reminds me. Go track down Holger. Go to track down Holger. I was quick. That was my. That was my gig. That was very fast. That was your gig. Yeah. 
All right. Well, thanks. You know, Wonga, this whole interview show with each other actually might, there might be something to it. I like this show. I always have. I think I, I threw this out about three months ago, but that person actually showed up for our interview. But I have to say, Victor went out of his way. We were time zoned all morning. We thought we'd get him at 10 o'clock, then it was 9.30. Uh, Craig's in Vancouver. It, it's been quite a day of trying to track down Victor, so I'm glad he he um, made made a point to come on our show. It was really sweet of him. Yeah, He must like he us, always... so he's like one of us. He always uh, seems to make it, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Yep. I'll tell you Wonger, I don't thing, think right? I don't think we heard yours, Wonger. You've been asking um, these questions. You know, about... I grew grew up grew up in Ottawa, so and my first sport was hockey. So it was a Montreal Canadian, and I'm going to give you his number, and you can tell me if you remember number Go. twelve. Number twelve, Saku Koivu. No, no. Go younger. Before Lafleur, there was who? The Rocket. Close no. Roadrunner. Yvon Cornoyer. Oh. He had won because uh, he had won the the Habs won in like 72, 73 against Chicago. And I was really young and looking at it was the first time I was looking at box scores. And he won the Conn Smythe uh most valuable player in the Stanley Cup. Yeah. What a team. Nice. Mahovlich is on that team, I think, too. Yeah, a few of those guys. Yeah. I remember it's the guys. Funny, you're really that. young. Unless you're unless you're born into a family that has a certain team, a love for a certain team or sport. It's who's the best team, isn't it? That's why I'm a Liverpool fan. Early to mid '80s, best team was mm-hmm. Liverpool. That's why I support them. I didn't grow up anywhere near Liverpool, you know. I know, obviously, in Ottawa, the Sens weren't around when you were growing. Well, up. no, obviously, my dad, my dad's a Montreal fan. Like he's from Verdun yeah. in Montreal, so we were all. It makes sense. Habs I mean, family. you're that close, yeah. right? I mean, if, there's, yeah. if you're not a, there's, if you're born before the Sens, yeah, you've got yeah, exactly. two options. Maybe the Bruins. I guess you could maybe go for. Yeah, Bruins or Leafs. Really, that was yeah. really it at the time. Scroll Leafs. Darcy Tucker is my favorite all time. Oh, love, love Darcy all Tucker. time, all time leave Darcy Tucker. Have you met him before, Jimmy? Yeah, I got his jersey. He signed it for me. Oh yeah, are you guys yeah. tight? No, I wish we were. <laughs> <laughs> he signed my jersey. I think I gave him one of mine. And I think he was, hey, is this guy? So you know what we used to do all the time? Whenever we'd mention someone famous, we'd always say, "And so Darcy Tucker is invited on Footy Prime anytime he wants to come on." So, Darcy Tucker, there's your invitation. I think I mentioned Love before Steve Thomas, too, right? He should be on the show. He's a big Steve soccer Thomas. fan. Steve Thomas. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. One I'll tell you what I was close with. I was, I, was, I was close with uh, Thomas Caverley. Because he was, was a really? huge, huge football fan. Yeah. Huge Czech football fan. Republic we used to talk all the what time. What a great player. Yeah. I think he owns, yeah. I think he's part owner of a club as well in the Czech right now. Is he? Yeah. Are you still in touch with him? Or could you? I haven't spoke to him in a long time. Surprise him. Hey, yeah. Tom, guess who this is? Hey, Tommy. Yeah. Jimmy, who? Who? <laughs> <laughs> he was the, I, you know, I interviewed Pavel Kabina once and um, also John Michael Lyles, lead players. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, the other defenseman who went, oh my God. It was uh, McCabe. Carl Gunnison. Carl Gunnison. Huge soccer fans. Mm. So, work that angle. I was a big Kabbalah fan. Fantastic skater. Good player. We'll get him on the show at some point. Like all the other names that we mentioned and do nothing about. Hey, one of these days. <laughs> as as Victor keeps showing up, who cares? Okay, guys. Well, that's it. We're out of time. Um, I'm off for a few days, but uh, you guys are back on Wednesday, right? Tomorrow? Tomorrow night, yeah. I'm assuming. Don't yeah. miss me too much, fellas, all right? Where are you going? I'm, off. I'm going to Blue Mountain for a few days. 
Oh yeah, there's like no the Wi-Fi family. there. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, no What's Wi-Fi. There's <laughs> no, no I Wi-Fi. Don't there, think about, yeah. I don't want to think about anything soccer related for at least four days. Now he's training. He's gonna beat his daughter and like. Just get a bat, bat box with her or something. I'm We're going four rounds. No more challenges. Like a wise man once told me in this podcast, never take on youth. And I did it again, well, I hope, Jimmy. I hope there's pies involved for you, buddy. Oh, I'm not eating my pies. You know me? <laughs> As a smack dealer takes his own wares? No. <laughs> All right. We're back on Wednesday. talking about the one with the crust. <laughs> They're back on Wednesday, and I'm not. Or maybe I am. See you later. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.